Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Um, friends, once again, morning. If this is your first time, my name is Reinhard or Reinkies or Ray. Uh, whatever suits you. I'm the pastor of Red Door Church, and it's great this morning to be with you, not just because it's a normal Sunday morning and it's a little bit chilly. Winter, autumn is definitely here. Engineering week is coming this week. Lots of prayer needed this morning for the brothers and sisters, Uh, but also because we started with a new series in the book of Acts, and as you said, we titled it Saint, and so it's going to be so much fun to kind of dive into this book. I don't know about you guys, but Acts is full of fireworks. And so it's going, to be, it's going to be fire in more ways than one. And so we'll probably break up the books into different sections. We won't be able to preach through the whole book in one setting because that might take us two years. Uh, but we'll definitely do the first eight chapters now, and then we'll take a bit of a break, and then we'll return to that. But super excited not just preaching through it, but also having discussions in it and what the Lord wants to teach us this morning. Before we get to all of that, I want to pray for us again. I want to pray for our hearts. Shout out to the ladies that had a good season's morning yesterday. It was good. Had a good time. Most of the Red Door ladies had a good time together yesterday. We'll post some pictures on the socials. Already saw some reels and some storylines going on Secha and... Dookie and stuff. It was, yeah, intimate vibes. It was really good. But thankful that the ladies could spend some time with one another around God's word as well. Let me pray for us. Father God, we are super thankful for community, for space, and for time. But these are just tools. Ultimately, we're thankful towards you that we have your spirit, that we have your word, that we have your light shining in our hearts, revealing the truth. And so we pray for more of that this morning. We want to see the gospel even clearer. We want our hearts to be changed even more towards you. Help us, Lord. Soften our hearts. Open our minds. Quiet our hearts even as we listen to your word. Do this now through your spirit. Amen. Fam, what's your most valuable commodity? The thing you value the most. And it's interesting, I was kind of Googling it and reading through articles, and an article in Forbes magazine actually agrees with, I think, your most valuable asset is, and it is time. It is the currency in which we decide what is important enough to actually spend our other resources on or even to spend our time on, because we definitely live in an age of time scarcity. So whatever happens this week, you've got to decide the monetary value of things or activities to spend your time on. And so the article in Forbes magazine actually phrases it this way. It's a a lady, Elizabeth Harris, that wrote, and she says that another way of thinking about all of this is in terms of opportunity cost, or what economists call the value of what you forego by doing one thing and not the other. The hour you spend commuting or mowing the lawn costs you an hour of doing something you really want to be doing. And so all of this is kind of just to explain, to make the point that the only way that you can decide what is worth spending your time on is to actually understand what is your goal and mission in life so that you know what you want to spend your currency on. So whatever you're doing, 
I think most of us can agree that you need to understand why you're doing certain things. Why are you offering up your time? Why are you spending your resources on something specific? And the only way that you will be able to understand what you should be spending it on is discovering your own life goal. Our Christianity is actually not a, lot, is not a lot different from this. We serve and love a God that has a particular mission for this universe. And consequently, if you call yourself a Christian, you're part of this family and you're part of that mission. And so knowing and understanding the mission of God is critical for the Christian to ensure that we don't waste our lives and specifically that we don't waste our time. We might be doing good things, but are we sure that we're doing the right things? Luckily, this is what the book of Acts is all about. We're going to see specifically what is the vision that God has for this universe and this reality. What is the mission of God? And as we understand that, we know how we fit into that. And as we said in the beginning, we're starting this book of Acts. It's written by a guy with the name Luke, and he wrote to a guy whose name is Theophilus. And the book of Acts is actually the second volume of a two-volume series, the first one being the gospel according to Luke. And so to understand what Acts is about, we first need to go and understand why he started this volume series in the first place, what the book of Luke was about. And so it's going to be in the screen. Let's read the first chapter of Luke, the first four verses in Luke 1. It says, and so Luke is writing, and he says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers to the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Why? That you may have certainty concerning the things that have been taught. And so as Luke is writing this two-part series to Theophilus, he is writing an orderly account so that Theophilus might have certainty about the things that was taught to him. And that's kind of what we're aiming for as well. We, we want to be certain on who and what Jesus is, what is God doing, and how do we kind of fit into that picture. And so today's sermon is an introduction to the rest of the book of Acts. It's the roadmap. It's the index of what the rest of the book will be about. But before we get to today's passage, we need to understand a little bit of context and about the type of book that Acts is in order for it to interpret it correctly. And so in terms of its literary style, it's actually quite a unique book. And to understand Acts means we've got to understand the type of literary style that Luke was using as he was writing this. And so Luke wrote this to Theophilus writing detailed accounts, meaning that he had a historical narrative flavor to it. And that's just basically a big word saying that he was retelling historical facts in a story format. Um, but he wasn't just giving it in cold heart facts. Luke is also a theo theologian, so he is retelling the story in such a way as to convey a specific message to Theophilus, that he might have certainty about the things taught. What this means for us today is as we read the book of Acts as well, 
We have to step into Theophilus' shoes. We've got to understand and listen it to the way that he was going to listen to it. And we've got to distinguish between some parts of the story that were merely incidental to the story and other, sto- other parts of the story that should be normative for us. Plainly put, what are some of the things that are just forming part of the story and what are some of the theological truths that we have to take as normative for the church today? And I know this sounds complex, but it's actually not. When we read the whole story, and don't just take bits and pieces out of context, it's actually pretty easy to see which events are just part of the story and still important, but which events are a pattern for us today. So, in the book of Acts, we see that the mission of God and Jesus continues from the first mission that Jesus started in the book of Luke. However, in the book of Acts, we see that different agents are at play. At first, God sent Jesus. And so Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers the apostles, the sent ones. And through the apostles, we see the sending of other disciples. And through that, we see the sending of the church. And so three things that I want us to see today regarding the mission of God. I want us to see that the continuation of the mission, that the mission actually is continuing after Jesus' ascension. I want us to discuss the nature of the mission of God. And thirdly, I want us to see the guarantee of this mission. And so let's jump in. Let's read those first five verses again as we see that the mission of God continues. Luke says in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so it's very important to see that the story did not end with Jesus' death, death and resurrection and crucifixion. We see that it wasn't a metaphorical or a spiritual resurrection that Luke was talking about. No, Jesus really did rise from the grave and he gave many physical, historical proofs that he was in fact the resurrected Christ. And from them on, even after his resurrection, Jesus was continuing his mission. His redemptive work was finished on the cross when he said it is finished. However, the mission of God was still continuing. Acts, therefore, isn't just a retelling of the early church and of history that took place. No, it is describing how God is fulfilling the original mission that started with Jesus. And so right from the beginning, Luke wants to make it clear that the one in control of the book of Acts, the one calling the shots, is actually Jesus. We see in these first five uh, verses that Jesus is the one who appeared. Jesus is the one who appointed. Jesus is the one who taught. Jesus is the one who commanded. Jesus is the one giving the instruction for the mission to continue forward. And specifically, if we look at the content of what Jesus was teaching about, we notice two things. One, he's speaking a lot about the kingdom of God. We're going to chat about that. And two, he's speaking about the spirit of God that will somehow 
come over the apostles and the disciples and somehow going to help them. And so we're not really sure what. We're just seeing that the mission is continuing and then it's about the kingdom of God and about the spirit of God. And friends, this isn't important to hear. It's important to hear what the mission of God is about. Because this is what distinguishes the Bible from other books and other religions. It's not about our own fulfillment. This is not a self-help book that will help you live your best life now. Rather, it shows what the king is busy with and how we form part of that mission. And so let's look at the nature of the mission of God. We looked about how it's continuing. Now look, let's look at the content, the actual nature of the mission of God. Verses 6 to 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so as Jesus started talking about the kingdom of God, um, we see that the disciples had certain misconceptions about it. They actually got excited when Jesus was saying, hey, this is the mission of God. It's about the kingdom of God. And they thought that the kingdom of God is to be purely a political ideology. You see, at that stage, the Jewish nation was still being ruled by Roman rule and Roman authority. And they thought that God's kingdom purely revolves around the welfare of their own nation and that Jesus will finally overthrow this corrupt government so that we can enjoy peace and prosperity. And to be honest with you, <laughs> many times it's exactly the same way that I view the kingdom of God. I put it in the same category. It revolves around my life and my prosperity. Rather than asking the question, how do I fit into God's mission? I'm thinking about how is God working things out for my benefit? Don't get me wrong, I, I do believe it is absolutely in our best interest to be part of the kingdom of God, but we are not the center. God's mission does not exist just so that you can pass adversity, just so that you can have a good job, enjoy your life, have good relationships, and never have any adversity. No, God's plan is so much grander, so much bigger than what we could have planned or imagined. So Jesus corrects their thinking. There will be a time that God and Jesus physically restores the kingdom when he comes back. That will happen. It is also political. It's just not only political. But that will serve his purpose and not ours. And so what he does, he gives them this grander vision to buy into. And saying, what you guys are playing for is it's short term. Let me give you a bigger picture. Rather, what will happen is you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus' answer is kingdom-related. It is related to the mission of God, but it wasn't what they were expecting. They somehow thought that it was revolving around them and they're saying, no. Jesus is saying the mission of God is continuing and God's mission is actually to expand his kingdom, but it's more than you think it is. And so three things that I want us to notice about the nature of God's kingdom. And so firstly, we see that this kingdom is spiritual. 
we see that God's kingdom is much more than just a political, physical kingdom. One day it will be that, but now it is spiritual. Those who form part of this mission to include people into this kingdom will be uniquely powered by the Spirit of God to be witnesses to this fact. And so it's interesting. They will be powered by the Holy Spirit, not by theological schools or seminars. We know that this promise was not just given to the apostles, but to all disciples continuing this work. And it has an enormous ramifications for us for the way that we should view our role in the mission of God. God has not just called all disciples everywhere to be witnesses, but he has qualified and empowered them for this specific work. Do you realize that if you're a Christian, that at conversion you received the spirit of the most high God to empower you? There's no other experience or blessing that you need to receive it. God gives it freely. And precisely for this reason, we can continue the mission of God. I don't know how you're feeling about that right now as we read that, if we believe that many times. I don't think it feels like we have this power. Amen? It doesn't feel like we're spirit-led. And part of it might be because we're looking for the work of the Spirit in the wrong places. When we think about the Holy Spirit working in our lives, I think most of us go to the miraculous. We only want to see when there's a healing and when there's a speaking of tongues as a proof or an outworking of the power of the Holy Spirit. However, in the text we see that the power of the Spirit is actually meant for more than just what we consider as miraculous. We see that the Spirit works when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Namely, to be witnesses of Jesus. We wait for the power before we start sharing the truth of the gospel, however we're doing it the wrong way around. So to illustrate it, think about it this way. Think about a house that's got the opportunity or the blessing of being wired and it's got electricity, so the house is powered by electricity. However, to really be useful and to be able to use the electricity of the house, you first need to plug something in. You can only see the outworking of the electrical grid once you put in your electric drill or your power saw or the tool, and then you can actually see the tool be empowered for the work that it's supposed to be doing. And it's similar with the Spirit. Christians have the Spirit, we have the power, but we're not seeing the outworking of it because we're not using it for its intended use. As we start to do the work that we're called to do, we will start to see the work of the Spirit. As you start witnessing, you will start to see the empowering work of the Spirit. We'll see in the book of Acts that the Spirit actually helps us with many things and empowers us and convicts us, and encourages us. But one of the primary works of the Spirit, the reason why we receive the Spirit of God, is to witness about Jesus. And it's in that moment where we actually take the plunge, where we take the leap of faith, where we start sharing our faith, when the Spirit starts working, and empowering us, and encouraging us, and motivating us. And that's faith stepping into it once you even if you don't feel it yet 
And so church, we are empowered to be witnesses. Let's witness to the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know that God has placed you uniquely, gifted you uniquely, using even the bad experiences in your life uniquely so that you can communicate the goodness of the gospel of Jesus in a unique way to the people around you. There's no one else that can share the gospel in the unique way that God has called you to do it. And that's why you are the sum of everything that's happened in your life, and God wants to use that. You don't need anything else at the stage except to actually believe and trust in that fact that God has not only called but empowered you. And so we see that this kingdom of God is not only spiritual, but it's also inclusive. And so the nature of the mission of God is that it's not just local, but also international. I don't know if you guys picked that up. Jesus says that the gospel will witness will go out from the local city of Jerusalem to the Jewish region of Judea, then to the mixed race region of Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And so this would have been a major mind shift for the early Jewish church. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Jews did not mix with Gentiles, non-Jews. They definitely did not mix with the people of Samaria, the mixed race people of Samaria. And so the gospel, however, has a community cultivating effect where it draws people to the same and the one true king. And so as we all draw nearer to the king, we inadvertently draw closer to one another. There's no other way. It is impossible to draw near to God and not draw near to other people. You might be thinking that you're growing in your faith, but if you're not drawing closer to other people, you're actually growing in something else, but it's not closer to God. People that look and talk different from you. And this is going to be a major theme throughout the book of Acts, how the gospel is just drawing more and more people into the community, and I'm super excited for us to jump into that. But what this means for us as a church is that there will be times where we are not comfortable with the people around us, and that's okay. This is what the mission of God is going to do. It will take us to places that we're uncomfortable in. Can we be a little bit controversial? Okay. If you are always perfectly comfortable in your church community, it might mean that you're not really buying into the mission of God. If you as a church community are not moving to places where it's pushing you to be uncomfortable, you might not be buying into the mission of God. Because the mission of God will continue to bring people outside of our normal influences into the circle. Hopefully, by God's grace, we won't stay there. Hopefully, we'll grow in love and appreciation of one another and of grace and growing in the community, but it's always going to continue to grow. We're never going to feel like we've arrived. It's always going to be a process. In fact, not being perfectly comfortable with the conversations, the songs, the sermons, even the coffee, might mean that God is working and he's working in and through you. The last characteristic to note about this kingdom of God is that it's expanding. This message cannot be contained. And the reason being why it can't be contained is because it's God's mission. God's mission will continue to reach its goal. 
it will reach the nations and we as a church and as individuals can actually form part of it. Being a new church plant, we have the opportunity to see this firsthand as more and more people come to know Christ and to be part of the family. We know that the mission of God is larger and bigger than Red Door Church. And so the focus even of our resources as a church will already be geared to multiplying to reach the rest of the city to plant more gospel-centered churches, not just in Pretoria, but in Gauteng and South Africa, and even looking to Africa. We want to see the expansion of the gospel. And so there's no level that we as a church first need to reach before we can start talking about this. No, we already want to talk about this because this is part of our DNA. And that's why Jason and Megan as part of the church. They want to learn more about church planting. That's why we're partnering with campus outreach because we want to reach the next generation of students on campus. That's why we're part of local unions and local church planting networks because we want to collaborate together. That's why we join networks because we're on church on a mission. And church, it's not our mission. We're not the original ones on mission. It's God's mission. This is the nature of God's mission. It is kingdom expansion. It is spiritual. It is inclusive. And do you know that this is the best possible news for us? Every other kingdom out there, and I'm sure you guys have seen the shows and seen the movies, but even in our recent history of colonialism, every other kingdom out there is concerned with enriching itself and expanding its own territory. We serve a God that already owns everything, okay? That already rules everyone, and that could, by a click of his fingers, wipe out all his enemies that we were a part of, by the way, at one time or another. However, this king is different. We serve a good king God's mission through kingdom expansion is to reconcile more people to himself. Through his goodness, he wants to lead people to repentance. And so I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know where you are on your journey with God, moving towards or away from him. I don't know what your experience has been with Christianity or with churches. Maybe thinking that Christianity is just another sect trying to convince people of their ideals, doing things in a certain way. I want you to see, we, we're not hiding our plan. This is the plan. This is God's plan in the open for you to inspect. And it's good to inspect it even if you're not a Christian. This is the God King who is inviting you into the kingdom even though you have nothing to offer. This is our God. If you have not yet he is inviting you to respond to the one true king. If you've grown cold, he hasn't closed the kingdom gates. In fact, it's wide open right now. If you feel like you've wasted too many opportunities, even as a Christian, you know that God is specifically calling you back into service. That he wants to use you where you're at, even though you know how many times you've dropped the ball. He knows it better and he still wants to use you. It's actually in our failings that he wants us to come back to see the cross and the grace 
so that as we witness to other people, we don't tell them about how good we're doing it, but about the grace that has been extended to us. If God can save me, surely he can save anyone. And so we've looked at the continuation of the mission. We've looked at the nature of the mission. And lastly, I want us to see the guarantee of this mission of God. Verses 9 to 11. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. It was exactly at this moment where Jesus' ministry didn't end. He just exchanged his earthly ministry for his heavenly ministry. Jesus is king. At this very moment, he is sitting at the right hand of God, exercising his rule and authority. And he will come again once the mission of God is complete. That's why this is worth investing in. That's why we can give our time to this mission. Not only is it grander than what we can think or dream or the things that we think we can invest our lives in, but also because we know that God will bring this to fruition. This is the only thing that you can know that if you invest in this, there will be a return in investment. The fact that Jesus will come again actually does not make us complacent. In fact, what it should do is create an urgency amongst us. I wasn't on the slide, but Yanni, I wonder if you can throw up again our, our, our sermon slide thingy. The theme and the picture for our sermon series actually comes from Luke 10 verse 2. Let me read it. You don't have to throw it on the screen. Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And what we have here, we've got this single pikey road thingy going there. That you're going to walk. You've got the harvest field and you've got some dark clouds in the background. Fam, this is happening right now. Jesus' prayer is being answered right now. We are the proof that God is and has raised up laborers for the harvest. Not only because we are part of the ones who now pray and labor for the harvest field, but also because we are enjoying the fruit of other people that have gone before us. And so know this. What started in Luke, what started with Jesus' ministry is now continuing through the apostles in the church and to us. We are now part of those that pray and labor. We need to be a church that prays earnestly to God and urgently for God for more laborers to be raised up. But then we've got to define our laborers. It's not, as Christy put it last week, it's not the professional laborers that stands up front. No, it's everyone that calls themselves a disciple of Christ. Why? because you've been uniquely called and uniquely empowered by the Spirit to be a witness. The road sometimes might be lonely as we go into the harvest field, even though the harvest is great. 
There might be some dark clouds. There might be some adversity on the road ahead. But know this, that we have been sent by the Lord of the harvest. And so because we're sent by him, it means that there will be some fruit. Might not be in the way that we think or dream, but because Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, there will be some fruit to what we're doing. Because the Spirit is empowering us, there will be some fruit to what we're doing. And so I know all the fears I'm experiencing it daily as we call to witness, as we call to call in everyone else. We know everywhere and every way that we're failing actually. Personally, corporately, maybe as a family, maybe in your own Bible reading. However, know that irrespective of that fact, you are still called and that we have been sent. And it's not because of your track record that you've been sent but we've been sent by the goodness of God and we have a mission to be part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, we wanna pray and praise you this morning. Not only do we see the goodness of this good king that has this unique mission of expanding the kingdom and this unique ideology of kingdom expansion actually means including more people to enjoy your goodness. But we can be a part of it. Father, everything else that we're working for will turn to dust. Everything else will fall away except this. Help us even as we work well, as we do our jobs well, as we build relationships, as we want to be responsible in our studies, as we want to be responsible in our finances, that all those things should be subservient to this one glorious goal of living as the sent ones. And so we pray, even this morning, Holy Spirit, to uniquely fill and empower us once again. We know we have the Spirit of God, yet we're still fearful. We know we have the convicting and the empowering work of Jesus Christ working in us right now, yet we doubt. And so, Lord, we want to pray, even in our doubting, that you would use us. Father, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. We thank you that even in your goodness, you will do this. Father, I pray for those specifically this morning who see the kingdom, who see the mission. They don't doubt that, but they actually doubt your goodness. Whether it's worth bowing the knee towards you and in front of you. And so I pray, Father, just for a clearer picture of you, of the king. We know that the more clearer we see you, the easier it is to actually lay down our lives. Because we will see that you've laid it down first. And so we praise you. We thank you for this glorious mission. We thank you for this church. And we pray use this for your glory and our benefit. Amen.